from the Appalachian region of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, and beyond. This is the time when we need to write and make art for the sake of healing our souls and enriching our communities. Welcome to Artemis Speaks. So just slow down in because you can't Welcome. Today, I'm Jerry Rogers for Artemis Speaks, and I have two guests today. First time we've done an interview with two different people, thanks to the magic of Zoom and and my amazing co-producer, Skip Brown, we're here. And uh, I will be interviewing Jack Greer and Robert Burson, who have co-authored and edited a book titled Better With Age. Creativity, Discovery, and Surprise. This book is a lively collection of 27 essays, three poems, and a song, all exploring how to make things new as we move through our later years. We hear from those in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s who've tackled social causes or physical exploits or artistic pursuits. Some essays share lessons learned from a lifetime. Others describe the energy or nerve required to launch into something new, a new adventure late in life, or revive a youthful talent long abandoned or ignored. All these stories suggest how some endeavors, our insights, our encounters, can be better with age. So welcome, Jack and Robert. So good to have you here. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to unpack in this book. I'm almost finished with it. And midway through the book, I I got immediately on Amazon and ordered two copies for different friends who are in this stage. It's a wonderful collection of essays. And I want to, you know, talk a little bit about your backgrounds, how you got together. And and I'll start with Robert. Uh, How did this idea for your book come about? It came about from my approaching my 70s. I'm now 74. Um, And I had gone through a number of hospitalizations, uh, one for hip replacement, uh, one for an attack of palsy. Um, So I had some scary experiences and then experiences that were like shock of recognition. I I am gonna be more limited in some ways. I'm gonna be entering a period of life that is a challenge. Um, So during this, um, and many people like Shakespeare and others seeing this as doom and gloom, um, I was looking for affirmation and inspiration. Where would I get this entering this very challenging uh, last decade or two or three of my life? And um, 
so I thought about my own activities. What in what ways was I finding meaning? Um, what ways was I progressing in certain areas? In how if was I going to become better in any way, or was everything a decline from this point? So um, you know, I was, I was looking at myself, and then as I often do, I turned to family and friends and asked ask them. And so I sent out a letter on May 23rd, 2017, an email to family members and friends asking them um, if they had stories or memoirs or testimonies about this experience of aging and, and where they found meaning, where they found stimulation, where they found vitalization. And um, surprisingly, I got it some instant replies, uh, one from uh, Tom Arthur, a very well-known theater person at James Madison University, and also from my 90-something-year-old aunt who really started a whole new career in her 70s as um, um, in terms of ovarian cancer recognition for, medical, for the medical profession. So I was inspired by that response, and then it just kind of kept going. I asked people to just send me, if they didn't have a full story, just send me an abstract, just send me a summary of what you might want to write about. And nine more came in, in short order. And maybe Jack's was among those, I, I don't recall, because then Jack within months was a co-editor and a very active part of, of the whole process. So the stories came in, there clearly was an interest or a need on all of our parts. And we we had a community of stories and and essays and tales from that point on. So you had your work cut out for you all of a sudden. We did it, yeah. Oh, yeah <laughs> there it. you are. Right. Well, Jack, I'd love to hear from you. Now, you, you received this inquiry from Robert, and you responded. So how did you feel about all this? Well, it was a wonderful opportunity. Um, by nature, I think I'm probably a more depressive person than Bob person. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I love the idea, and Bob and I had cooperated on some things in the past, uh, joint ventures and so on, and, and artistic things, including music, which we can talk about. But um, for me, uh, I was very excited to see these essays and interested, and I very quickly became inspired by them. Um, of course, we didn't realize then that we'd be finishing this up in the age of the pandemic, mm -hmm. which is what happened. But during that time, which has been a challenging time and a very isolated time, um, these voices that came into us uh, sharing their experiences, but also their, you know, their grit and their humor and their wisdom, um, it really, I, it was very uplifting for me. I mean, as I was editing uh, these pieces, I, they really helped me, you know, um, with their voices and their their commitments to living life, you know, to its fullest, no matter what their age and and learning a lot uh, as they have gotten to this age. Wonderful. Well, you both are, have very successful career backgrounds um, in the arts and publishing. Uh, why don't you tell us briefly a little bit about you and what those talents were that brought you to this place? And I'll start with Robert. 
Jack, Jack and I met in graduate school. I was in uh, the art education program at University of Maryland College Park, uh, and Jack was in the English literature program. And so we started playing music from that point, but um, then I got my PhD at Maryland and, and began teaching. Uh, and at James Madison University from the 1980s, um, for 20 plus years, I was a professor of art and art history. And I taught a wide range of art, modern art and contemporary art history courses and aesthetics, art criticism. And I wrote two, during that time, I wrote two art appreciation art history texts um, for Mayfield and then for McGraw-Hill. And, um, and then I also was an exhibiting artist during that time. So I've kind of been a writer and an artist and then have always played music from the time I met Jack, um, actually from my late teens to the present. And even at a certain point taught music. So those have been my big three, uh, art, um, writing and music. Wow, impressive. And Jack and I, as Jack mentioned, have collaborated in different ways from way back at University of Maryland where we had a joint art and poetry literature show together. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. Okay, Jack, uh, you're you're a sailor. Besides all your amazing career accomplishments, you want to tell us a little bit about you? Uh, sure. Um, as Bob said, we met back in the '70s, mid '70s, at University of Maryland, both in our doctoral programs, and uh, that you know, that's a tough time. There's been some uh, some conversation lately about just how tough it is for graduate students because you have no money and a huge amount of work to do. And uh, so, you know, they were they were not easy times. And uh, when I met Bob, um, one of the first things he did was pull out his guitar and we started having these music parties, which were great fun and a tr terrific uplift for me and uh, really life affirming. Um, after the degree, um, my original intention was to teach English and write because writing is my one of my main passions, if not my biggest passion. And um, I decided at some point that rather than teach, I would really just rather write. <laughs> so I began writing about the Chesapeake Bay. I actually uh, dropped out of graduate school for a short while and worked at a boatyard. And um, then when I came back, there was a new program beginning at the University of Maryland called the Sea Grant Program. And they were hiring some wonderful top-notch folks and they needed someone to write about the Chesapeake Bay. And uh, I was ecstatic to hear about that because it really married two of my passions. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get that position and stayed there for 30 years. Um, what I hadn't foreseen is that, as well as writing about the Bay, which I did, um, I also got very caught up in the policies of the Bay, the science policy and environmental policies. So by the end of my career, uh, I had started a couple of programs uh, for financing environmental uh, actions in the Bay and uh, also, um, I guess, facilitating a bi-state blue crab initiative, um, which was very exciting. We established the first ever threshold for catching blue crabs that was baywide. Um, and then numbers of other things. So I was really, by the time I finished, I was uh, 
doing many things at the same time. And then when my wife and I retired, we um, continued to do one of our other passions, which was to go sailing, as you said. And that was one of our life dreams, was just to take off in the sailboat and keep going. You know, so we sailed down from Annapolis to uh, the Lesser Antilles and worked our way all the way through the Virgin Islands and the Leewards and the Windwards, uh, pretty much to South America, and spent about three and a half years with the boat down there uh, and then sailed back. Um, and I'm, I've written a book about that, a memoir about our travels there, which I'm just wrapping up now. Wonderful. Well, you two meeting in graduate school was a marriage made in heaven. You both have <laughs> collaborated on so many projects. You know, you yeah. never know when you meet somebody how your path of life will go down with this person. And, and you all have been so productive in so many different ways. So you each have a short essay in the book. I loved both your stories. I was wondering if you would each read a small quote from your essay and then elaborate briefly on it. And we'll start with Robert. Sure. Uh, and my essay is called um, Playing Through My Fears. And um, to set the stage, this is 2017 and there's a new um, little tavern opening in the small town of Dayton, Virginia. And at the age 70, I approach uh, the, the woman who is the owner and ask if she would like some jazz and blues music. And she says immediately, yes, can you start next week on Tuesday evening, happy hour. So here I am in suddenly uh, my nerves, everything is, I'm gonna play through my fears, but I ultimately do. And this is the kind of experience I get from music that makes it all worthwhile. Music making fires up all of me. Ten fingers, tapping feet, swaying head and torso, wide-opened ears, focused eyes, brain, lungs, nerves, heart and soul. There's a satisfying feeling after each well-performed song, sincere applause from those listening, appreciation and affirmation. Thank you. Thank you. Music making doesn't make me feel 30, but it does bring full-bodied vitality at 70 that so many musicians keep playing until the day they die comes as no surprise. Creative endeavors, music, theater, painting, poetry, tap into the fountain of life. So that's it in a nutshell when, it, when music brings me into the here and now of, of creative experience. And I do feel this great vitality, whether I'm 70 or 74 now or into the future, I think I follow in the footsteps of all of these uh, musicians who will play until the day they die, live it to the full. Skip's like, yay, hey. <laughs> Skip's a musician. <laughs> yes, and so Jack, you, you joined Robert, right? And you right. play with him, and, and what instrument do you play? And, and you're going to read a little quote, too. Yes, uh, I play the drums. And when I was a teenager, uh, it was really my, my big passion, starting at age 16, I would say. And I ended up with this big rhythm and blues band that backed up uh, Martha and the Vandellas and the Drifters and some other big names when they came through Richmond, uh, names that people may not know anymore, but at the time <laughs> they were big names. 
And then uh, with academics, I had to put my drums away. Um, but when I met Bob in graduate school uh, and he started these music parties, I went out and bought a conga drum from a local uh, place in Tacoma Park, musical traditions. And I still have that conga drum now, all these years later, and I still use it when I'm playing with Bob a lot of the time. And uh, so that music got put away in the closet uh, for a long, long time. And then uh, I've now pulled it out again uh, and am playing drums. So this piece um, is, uh, it's centered on a little, uh, when we're actually playing at a local spot in Dayton, Virginia. And uh, the name of it is The End of the Line, and it's based on the song The End of the Line by the Traveling Wilburys. So you can go and listen to that if you haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> That's a good one. But it's very similar. Um, I mean, Bob just nailed it with what he just read about music. And uh, this first uh, sentence really sort of reiterates what he said, and then it goes from there. Rhythm moves every fiber of mind and muscle. Even when we're sitting down, it taps the foot, snaps the fingers, wiggles the shoulders. I remember my mother in the nursing home where she spent her final years, tapping her 90-something fingers to tunes from the 1930s and 40s, rhythms she still recognized. We're in the middle of the song now, the part where Tom Petty sings, somewhere down the road, you'll think of me. The brushes snap the snare's white head and sink with the rhythm of the present. I'm absorbed in the unmarked flow of time, the durée described by the French philosopher Henri Bergson, letting go of the clock to ride the tide of each instant. Such is the gift of music that by keeping time, we're able to let go of it. Beautiful. I love mm -hmm. that. So... I think I'll just say one thing about it. I think, you know, I'm very, I'm always fascinated with time and our perceptions of time. And in our Western culture, of course, in order to make deadlines and meetings and so forth, we chop time up into these seconds and minutes and hours uh, and, you know, arrange them into deadlines and so forth. And it's difficult sometimes to step out of that and just flow with time. Uh, I think the psychologist Karen Horney, who talks about the, um, the tyranny of the shoulds, you know, we should be doing this, we should be doing that. And music, uh, for me, it helps to quiet those voices and to focus just on the, on, the, on the moment. And it's also fun, which is something that, you know, we forget to include sometimes, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, playing fun as well. Well, the Dalai Lama says we're here to find joy. Sounds like you guys have found it. And <laughs> you've also produced a, a wonderful book. Uh, there's no way we can get into the different essays in there. But speaking of time, there was one story, I can't remember the author, but she was in Cairo and teaching. And she would, uh, she was academic in a university and would try to set up meetings with the different Egyptians or, you know, Muslims. And they would often say to her, you know, she'd say, well, we'll meet next Tuesday at 10, at 10 o'clock. And, and they would say, if God willing, 
you know, yeah. it was always if God wills that. And sometimes they'd show up and sometimes they wouldn't. And they don't <laughs> seem to be so burdened, you know, right. by the shoulds that, you know, where whatever they're doing at that moment, if God is willing, they'll be there. I thought right. that was really yeah. interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, again, um, this so many wonderful stories. I thought each of you could just briefly talk about some highlights of the different stories that really uh, were were moving for you, and we'll start with Bob. Yeah, um, I think I think Jack is going to focus on some of the very reflective, almost philosophical stories. So I decided I'm going to focus on one that brings in a, a kind of gentle humor and and. A, a very educational uh, process. And this is one of our writers who has passed away. We've lost two writers at this point since the book has come out. And um, it's called, it's, and it's about, um, it's in the section Transition to Retirement. And the author is Harold Peirce and it's, it's called Get a Dog. <laughs> and Harold always had a wonderful sense of humor. So he's talking about his, the dogs that he has now in his art studio and he, he draws and paints. So the feeling of working in my studio with two dogs curled up near me on their mats on the floor can only be described as a mix of joy, satisfaction and contentment. I think I'm enjoying and appreciating Ori more now that he's in his senior years. The cliche is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That statement should be a question. What can we learn from old dogs? Here's an incomplete list of lessons learned. Be patient, go slowly, enjoy the moment, let your needs be known, bark loud when you have to, avoid <laughs> stares, be grateful for a push, enjoy your food, drink often, nap a lot. <laughs> We can learn from our canine companions how to age with grace and dignity. I know the time will come when we'll have to say goodbye to Ori. Then we'll have, then we'll ha we'll learn more lessons about grieving and about celebrating a life well lived. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Jack, you have a story you want to share with us? Sure do. There, at the very beginning of the book, there's a section called Life Stories. And uh, Bob and I decided to put these right up front because they, they really give you a great context for life lessons learned and so forth. Um, and some of them are very piercing and probing and insightful um, and brave. Uh, one of those One of those that I Love is by Martha Woodruff. People who know WMRA, the NPR station, will, will recognize her name. Um, and it's called Dancing with Cancer. Um, Martha is, is now dealing with uh, stage four cancer. And what comes through in this essay is uh, just wit and wisdom and gumption and uh, Martha's irrepressible spirit. And she gets at this uh, through the discovery of a Louisiana radio station and her commitment to dance to it every day. When she gets up in the morning, the first thing she does is she starts boogieing down, basically. <laughs> so um, I'll just read one short paragraph from that. 
So why is the discovery of KRVS Public Radio in Lafayette, Louisiana, such a big deal for me? It seems to me that the station mostly plays music made for the love of making music. I mean, when was the last time you heard of a touring Zydeco musician packing a football stadium? KRVS's music is a musician's joy of living made auditory in the same way that dancing for me is the joy of living made physical. I know in my bones that these musicians and I, we get each other. Neither of us believes in hunkering down in life's inevitable woes and confusions. Mm -hmm. wow. So that is, is a wonderful essay. And then there's another by Luann Austin, um, who writes a column for the paper here in Harrisonburg. Uh, that's also very brave. She talks about her difficult childhood and, and adolescence and these things that have even followed her into childhood and how she's come to, uh, to know herself better and to take care of herself better. Um, her essay is called Journey to a Life I Never Knew. Um, so those are two that, that strike me and stay with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're going to conclude this interview. It's just been delightful talking to both of you. And there was a poem at the end of the book that was very, very um, moving, I thought. And were you willing to read that simultaneously? Um, Jack is going to take the lead on that one. <laughs> okay, Jack, you go for it. Uh I don't know if we have enough time, but Bob, could you say just a word about this notion of being used up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Harvey Yoder um, is a, comes from a background of, of being a Christian minister, as well as a, a, a very devoted community activist for many causes. And um, so he came, this concept that he talks about is his goal in life has kind of become my goal in life now, uh, to be fully used up, to use all of my capacities, all of my abilities, to live life as fully as possible. And at the end, you're tired out, you're used up, you're ready to go. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's a good intro. All right. Okay. So when this came in from Harvey, uh, both Bob and I really saw immediately that this could become the coda for the book. So it's the very, very last thing that, that you'll read, you know, in the book. Can an old man continue to see visions and dream dreams and finally lay himself down to sleep, well content when his time comes, feeling finished and fulfilled at winter's end and eager to welcome eternal spring? Yes. Shalom, yes, peace, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, Robert and Jack. It's been Thank you. wonderful talking to you about this book. If anyone wants to purchase the book, you can go to where else but Amazon.com. And it's very reasonable. Uh, it's, it's, it's really uh, easy to get, and I, I really recommend the book. So, we'll conclude this today. Thank you, Skip Brown, for making this happen. I'm Jerry Rogers, and this is Artemis Speaks. You've been listening to Artemis Speaks. Artemis.
Fox is a charitable organization now 43 years old and has evolved to be all-inclusive, a journal with essays, poetry, and art. 10% of the journal's sales are donated to a women's shelter in southwest Virginia. If you're interested in learning more, artemisjournal.org, you can mail us directly at P.O. Box 505, Floyd, Virginia, 24091. The closing music and the opening music you're listening to is Jordan Harmon, and the song is Just Slow Down, a very appropriate comment for the times that we're in. If you want to read, you have to slow down. Of the people that we are. Artemis Speaks, the podcast, is recorded twice monthly at Final Track Studios in All rights reserved and is co-produced by Jerry Rogers and And you know you can't lose touch of those things that you so much You love so much Can anybody tell me When it became so cool We got everybody walking around Trying the same thing that everybody else they do and you know oh yes you know you gotta be yourself cause yourself is all you got and all you got is what you need look in the mirror see it clearer the answer's staring at you So just slow down in life Because you can't buy back your time And you know you can't lose touch Of those things That you love so much Just slow down.